Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening, men and women, boys and girls from all around the world. I'm Mr. Johnny Rotten, the most uncensored and uncircumcised man in Britain. And I'm here live and unleashed. You have... Been warned. Up Piers Morgan, uh, uncensored, but not quite as uncensored as Johnny Rotten, of course. Tonight is the party finally over for the partying Prime Minister. And John Lydon, as I mentioned, the most uncensored man probably in the history of planet Earth, will be here live. But first, my brain dump. What is forgiveness? I mean, put simply, it's normally about accepting that somebody made a mistake, they're sorry about that mistake and we agree not to hold it against them going forward. So should we forgive Prince Andrew? The Archbishop of Canterbury, the most senior religious leader in Britain, suggested that we should mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee by, well, doing that. With Prince Andrew, I think we all have to step back a bit. He's seeking to make amends, and I think that's a very good thing. Is he seeking to make amends? Or is Prince Andrew seeking to repair his battered reputation and try and retain some semblance of relevance in public life? If forgiveness is accepting that someone made a mistake, we need to know what mistake Prince Andrew believes he made. There are plenty to choose from. Was it heaping global embarrassment on his mother, the Queen, and the monarchy? Was it remaining close friends with paedophile Jeffrey Epstein after he admitted and was convicted of child abuse? Was it giving the most toe-curling interview in royal history, in which he ridiculously claimed that a meal at a pizza restaurant and his inability to sweat proved his innocence? This grand old Duke of York has had 10,000 excuses. Now, Prince Andrew said he would fight to clear his name when Virginia Giffray accused him of sexually assaulting her at the age of 17. Then at the very last minute, he didn't do that. He didn't go to court. Instead, he wrote a massive cheque to Mr Frey to settle things. I would say that forgiveness starts with explaining why he did that. Why would you give millions of dollars to somebody if you believe you did nothing wrong and, in fact, you'd never even met that person? 
All we've seen from Prince Andrew is, I'm going to clear my name, followed by, actually, I'm writing a big fat check for this to go away. That's not acceptance or repentance. And I'm sorry, but I think the public might find the forgiveness part that the Archbishop of Canterbury is suggesting very hard without them. We're talking of disgraced men who may or may not need national redemption. He's run out of excuses. He's running out of friends. Is Boris Johnson now running out of time? The British Prime Minister's had a turbulent premiership with a pandemic, the illegal lockdown party scandal, and now ruinous inflation. But his ferocious friendly fire from his own Tory MPs now doing the worst damage, and I believe it will be politically fatal. 28 of Johnson's own Conservative members of Parliament have now publicly called for him to quit. If 54 of them write letters of no confidence, he'll face a vote that may have him packing his bags at number 10. And frankly, I think he should. Tonight, his own ethics advisor said that the ministerial code, the Bible of standards for the most powerful people in the country, faces ridicule because Johnson won't admit if he broke it. How much more condemnation can one man sustain? Boris Johnson's whole brand has been built on bluster, blather and bull, that and making people laugh. A leader can get away with that in the good times, but when times get tough, none of it seems quite so funny anymore. When people are dying, losing their jobs, can't find the money to feed their children. And especially when voters discover that the man who locked them down for several years was a shameless hypocrite, parting it up in Downing Street with his staff. I've got my own letter to the Prime Minister. It's a very short one. Dear Boris, the party's over. Resign. Universities used to be places where students were keen to broaden their minds by hearing different views. Now they're becoming seething, woke hotbeds of vicious, violent intolerance. The latest target was British Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi visiting Warwick University in the Midlands. A few... Charming people. Yeah, a furious mob of howling students hounded Zahawi off the campus, hurling abuse at him and, in one case, physically hitting a member of the Conservative Association who had invited him. And what was his crime exactly? Well, the protesters accused him of inciting hatred by defining a woman as an adult human female. That's not hatred. That's a simple biological fact. What the hell is going on at our universities? There's now a sort of complete intolerance of free speech among many of these students who've been apparently brainwashed by the cancel culture mentality. They need to realise that in the real world, not everybody will agree with them. And if they want to live in the kind of tolerant society that they constantly preach about, well, they could start by tolerating other people's opinions, especially when, like Mr Zahawi, those opinions happen to be correct. Now, a public service broadcast for our friends across the pond. It's the American's Guide to the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, which you'll be hearing so much about in the next few days. Now, the Jubilee is when Brits celebrate our monarch. The monarch is, well, like a president, only without the politics or the power, which is why we tend to like them. And unlike other royal events which celebrate change, coronations, weddings, funerals, a Jubilee celebrates 
the lack of change, namely that the monarch is still alive. If that doesn't sound like much, only six of our monarchs have ever made it to a golden jubilee for 50 years on the throne. Only two made it to their diamond jubilee for 60. And only one, Her Majesty, our current monarch, has ever gone platinum after 70 years in the hottest seat imaginable. And we celebrate all this with massive street parties because, well, they're free and everyone gets too drunk to drive home anyway. Like the Queen, it often rains over us. We don't care about the weather. We hang up something called bunting, which are little paper flags tied to lampposts because, well, I don't know, because we've always hung bunting. We eat sandwiches, cucumber normally. We drink tea, Yorkshire gold is my preference, and Victoria sponge, which is a big cake named after another monarch. I'll also be attending the cricket at Lord's because that's what we do as well. And if all this seems a little bit strange to you in America, especially when there's so much very serious stuff going on, well, frankly, for the next few days, we don't care because we get to have four days off, the pubs are open late, and we love our Queen. And says the next, as the letters of no confidence continue to pile up, is it time to say bye-bye Boris? And later, the world's most outspoken, uncensored human being, former Sex Pistols frontman John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, is here live and unleashed. Well, the party may be over for party boy Boris Johnson. A total of 28 conservative backbenchers have now publicly demanded his removal. And if that number reaches 54, and others may have done so anonymously, he'll face a career-defining no-confidence vote. Joining me now to talk to you, the political editor, Kate McCann. Kate, this is getting serious for Boris Johnson, isn't it? Because also tonight, Lord Geit has revealed serious concerns about Boris Johnson's adherence to the ministerial code in relation to the fixed penalty notice that he got. And you're getting people like, you know, Andrea Leadsom seasoned, you know, pro-Boris politicians now coming out against him too. I'm feeling the heat from here and it's getting a bit ferocious. Yeah, look, I think Andrea Leadsom was a real moment for those in number 10 today because they believe that so far it's the usual suspects, the people who never really liked Boris Johnson, pretty much always wanted to see the back door, see him leave Downing Street. And then today, that moment when uh, a Brexiteer, supposedly one of his own, has said not quite that he needs to leave, but that his behaviour isn't good enough. And I think Lord Guy's report might be the moment for some more over the weekend because Lord Guy essentially saying, unless the Prime Minister sticks to his own code of conduct, well, things could get really difficult. So he even hinted in his pretty long report today, Piers, that he may have considered resigning if the Prime Minister hadn't listened to his advice. And he's pretty frustrated, it has to be said. So it looks like more trouble for Boris Johnson, though the mood number 10, I have to say, is defiant. They've come out swinging. Essentially, they believe he could win this vote and they would like to bring it on. Right, and just to clarify, if he does win the vote, he buys himself at least another year, isn't it, before they can try again? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 54 letters into Graham Brady and then a vote triggered within a matter of hours, most likely. Boris Johnson needs 180 plus one MPs in order to get past that. But then he's safe for a year under 1922 rules. Now, in number 10, there is a feeling that that could mean the best time for that vote may well be next week because it comes before a by-election, it comes before the Privileges Committee report, essentially before any more bumps in the road that might cause him some trouble. And if he wins it, he is then safe. A note of caution, though, in January this year, 
year, it was suggested they could try and change the rules so that a vote could be held every six months. It was rejected at the time, but it could come back again if there are those in the 22 who feel it really is time up for Boris Johnson. And what's extraordinary is in the last few minutes, we've now heard that the Durham police have now sent formal questionnaires to the leader of the Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer, and his deputy, Angela Rayner, and they only do that if they suspect a COVID rule was actually broken. And both of them have said if they do actually get fined by the police, they will resign. So we could have a situation in the next few weeks where we lose everybody at the top of both parties. <laughs> Could be a complete clear-out, in which case, what does it leave the Liberal Democrats who could come riding over the hill to try and form some kind of government? Of course, not likely to happen, but in all seriousness, it does show you just how frustrated people are with the state of politics at the moment here in the UK, in Westminster, that the most senior people in the Conservative Party have faced fines, and now the most senior people in the Labour Party are facing questions over their own conduct. It's not a good place to be. It's not. Kate McCann, thank you very much indeed. Well, joining me now is former leader of the Scottish Conservative Party, Baroness Ruth Davidson. Ruth Davidson, thank you so much for joining me. It's, it's an extraordinary situation, isn't it, in British politics, where you have the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who's coming under siege now from his own party, from his own ethics standards uh, uh, boss, uh, from all sides, it seems, and at the same time, the leader of the opposition... Keir Starmer and his number two are also subject to a police investigation for also breaking lockdown rules. I think this is, Piers, basically because we were told as a country by people at the top that this was serious, that these rules were serious, that sticking to these rules was serious, that it was a matter of life and death, and that this was a time of national uh, crisis, uh, and as such there was a collective endeavour to stick to the spirit of the rules, to stick to the letter of the rules, and that's what would see us through as a country. Uh, and I think people, uh, certainly a large proportion of people, are rightly angry when they see those that set those restrictions up, whether it was the Prime Minister who stood at a lectern and told them they had to stay at home, or whether it was the leader of the opposition who voted it through, uh, looking as if there was one rule for everybody else, but, but those rules that they set for us didn't apply to them. Uh, and, and that's why people who weren't able to hold the hand of a loved one as they died, weren't able to go to a funeral, weren't able to visit an isolated new mother, won't forget what they gave up and what they sacrificed because they thought they were doing the right thing and because they were told that's what they had to do. I mean, there are still Conservative politicians who stand by Boris Johnson. I'm about to talk to Peter Bone after I talk to you. He's a long-standing mm. Conservative MP, you know, for many years. Um, what's your message to them? I mean, do you believe that the integrity not just of the Prime Minister and the government, but of the Conservative Party is now at stake here? Well, actually, I care more about what this is doing to the country necessarily than the party, although, of course, it's deeply damaging to the party. Um, but for me, particularly at a time of national crisis, you need the, the leader of the land, the first among equals... Uh, to be judged to a higher standard, not a lower one. He needs to set an example. He needs to have moral authority. And that's nothing to do with whoever holds the post of Prime Minister. That's to do with the office of Prime Minister itself. And if people look at an office being traduced in this way, if they look at people who are at the very top going, well, actually, we don't have to stick by the rules, then that does filter down to people. And they go, well, well why should I stick by the rules either? Right. And, and I do think that it is damaging... Uh, to the country and to the institution. I'm a Conservative because I support the institutions of this country and, and to see them traduced like this, you know, I, I find it 
deeply, deep, I'm deeply uneasy about it. Do you think Boris Johnson will survive this? I think this is a really interesting week because uh, the Parliament's off for a week. It means everybody's back in their constituencies. They're doing loads of things with constituents uh, around the Jubilee. They're having a lot of people come up and speak to them. They're getting a sense of the depth and the breadth of feeling in a way they might not do when they're in uh, Westminster, you know, five, six days, four, five, uh, six days a week. So I think that the trickle that you're seeing in the last couple of days is part of that. And we may see a few more. Many people... Ruth Davidson, think that if there is a vacancy to be leader of the Conservative Party, uh, you ought to be putting your name forward. You were very popular when you were up there in Scotland. Many people wished you'd come down here and been perhaps Prime Minister when Boris Johnson took the job. Are you interested if there is a vacancy? No, I'm not interested. Uh, I value my mental health and my family life too much. I've got a, a, a young son and uh, I'm not interested in the job and, and nor am I qualified to hold it. I'm not an MP. So um, even if I were, which I'm not, I couldn't put myself forward. But what I do want to see is I want to see somebody in the role who understands what the expectations are of the job uh, and the, what it is that they have to do to uphold the standards of public life that we need to expect from our leaders and, and that we need to demand from our leaders. Well, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I just find it extraordinary that we have a Prime Minister who actually got a fixed penalty notice from the police for breaking one of his own laws. I mean, I just don't know how any Prime Minister in history that I can remember could or should have survived that moment. I mean, I... I you know, I... I respect my colleagues, they've been put in a very difficult position, colleagues on the green benches uh, in Westminster. But, but what I don't understand is how they can look at the damage that is being done. Uh, and if you asked any of them uh, away from this, you know, do you think it's acceptable for a prime minister to break a law that he says? Uh, they would say no. And if, if you mm. asked them, do you think it's acceptable for a, a, a prime minister uh, to you know, be charged by the police? Uh, and just carry on as if nothing had happened or not refer himself to the ministerial code? Or do you, you know, is it acceptable for a prime minister to stand up in parliament and say he's appalled by something that he didn't know anything about? And it turns out that he not only knew about it, he participated in it. I mean, do you think any of these things are acceptable? They would all say no. Do you think what he's, I don't understand is why they're currently sitting on their hands. Do you think he's an honest man, Boris Johnson? I don't know. I've got no window to see into another man's soul. Um, but I think that when he stood up in Parliament uh, after Allegra Stratton, the only person to have resigned over this, mm. let's not forget, um, and she resigned not because she attended anything, but because she was caught on camera being unable to answer a question about it because she knew it was wrong, uh, standing up saying he was appalled and, and that people that he knew nothing about had done things that were wrong and he was going to get to the bottom of it. When he stood up and said that, he knew that he was there. And I think that that act in Parliament was a dishonest act. I could not agree more. Uh, Baroness Davidson, thank you very much. Please come back and be an MP soon. Thank you. <laughs> not a chance. You know you, you know you want to. I'll take that money. I'll take that money in a bet. But lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Piers. Well, I'm joined now by Conservative MP for Wellingborough, Peter Bone. Peter Bone, you are. Almost a unique creature right now. You're a Conservative MP hitting the airwaves quite regularly, staunchly defending Boris Johnson. Why? 
Well, I think most of my Conservative uh, colleagues support the Prime Minister 100%. There's only a, a minority that don't, and they've never supported the Prime Minister. Do you think Boris Johnson's an honest man? Absolutely. I mean, he was fired as a journalist from The Times for lying. He was fired from a uh, position uh, under Michael Howe for lying about an extramarital affair. People think he's lied about Partygate. The track record of honesty is not good. Well, I think you're, I think you're slightly wrong on what you call Partygate. A metropolitan police investigation, which cost half a million pounds, went over many weeks in 12... 12 detectives were on the case. And the only... He wasn't found guilty of partying. He had one fixed penalty notice when he went into uh, the Cabinet Office, I believe, and he was presented with a cake, which he didn't know anything about in advance. And surprisingly, the Chancellor also got a fixed penalty notice when he thought he was going in there for a meeting as well. That's not partying. Um, and so... Well, I'm well, not hang sure on. OK, hang on. Why no. you suggest he lied. Well, yeah, but that's, your, that's your, your impression is it's not partying, but actually that's exactly what the police deduced it was. They investigated all of this and they issued him with a fixed penalty notice for literally breaking lockdown rules by having an illegal gathering, that he was at an illegal gathering. That's why he got a police fine. I mean, the implication of what you're saying is the police were wrong to fine him. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that that wasn't what you and I would call a party. You're right to say that he attended an event which she didn't know was about to happen. He was there for nine minutes. And they, the police decided to find him for that. But you're not going to suggest to me that that was in any way what most people would call a party. But we also know that, we also know that he... No, it was reported at the time mm. as well. Yeah, and nobody we, we, complained about it at the right, time but we also, Yeah, but the, the, the point about all this, surely is that it's the scale of the parting, the illegal parting that was going on at Downing Street. The fact that over 80 people working there got police fines for breaking the laws that were made by the people at Downing Street and that they were doing the partying when they were ordering the public not even to go and see dying relatives in hospital. It's the totality of what has gone here in Boris Johnson's home which is what it is. And the, and the idea, frankly, that not only was he personally fined, but that he knew nothing about any of these parties when they were on the lash until 4am the night before Prince Philip's funeral, for example, in number 10. I just don't believe it. I, just, I think that's a dishonest response by the Prime Minister. Well, I think you're wrong. You will, of course, know that the Prime Minister was not in Downing Street when the party you referred to occurred. And you will also know that 10 Downing Street is a huge office block going over five floors. And most, the vast majority of people who were working in Downing Street at the time behaved properly and, and, and abided by the rules. Actually, yes, a very large number... Hang on. Look, a, very, a large number of them, according to the report we all read last week, they were vomiting, they were fighting, allegedly fornicating, breaking swings belonging to the Prime Minister's son. It was just a completely lawless environment in there. And Boris Johnson may not no. have been physically there for every one of them, but it's his home, he's the boss, these no. people all work under him, and there's been no accountability by the Prime Minister for the fact that all this was going on and he himself got fined as well. And I just, I just ask you, if this had been a Labour Prime Minister, would you have had the same opinion 
Or would you have taken the view that no serving prime minister should ever survive getting fined by the police for breaking their own rules in a pandemic? I, I, I certainly would have taken the same view if it had been a Labour prime minister. And I, I take the view that Keir Starmer and his deputy shouldn't resign if they get a fixed penalty notice because I don't think they thought that they were breaking the rules at the time either. And the fact that there are thousands of people that work in Downing Street... I mean, talk TV, you're, you're, you're most the head of it in some many ways. You're I'm not one the head of, their, of talk TV. You are their chief prisoner. I'm not the well, head of talk TV. Well, you're, the, you're the star. But you don't, you, you don't run... You don't run the office. You don't know. You wouldn't, and I wouldn't expect you to run the office. And I wouldn't expect the prime minister to run the office. I mean, part of the time these so-called parties occurred, Boris was in hospital fighting for his life because of all the efforts he'd put in during the COVID pandemic. So I think we have to be careful what we're saying when we're suggesting that these parties occurred in his home. Well, that's not really uh, the situation when we know that it's a five-storey office block behind that... Uh, well, I've been door. in Downing Street many times and it is a home and you do know what's going on. And frankly, if you don't know as Prime Minister that 80-odd of your staff are breaking your lockdown rules on a regular basis, sometimes with large karaoke parties involving large amounts of alcohol, if you don't know that's all going on, then it's a failure of leadership, isn't it, as well? Well, I disagree with you. It's a, it's a failure of certain people who are running the Downing Street operation. That's correct. But the Metropolitan Police didn't find that the Prime Minister had been partying at all these events you're referring to. Now, the changes have all... Well, the changes occurred, actually, before the Sue Gray report came out because there was an interim report and the Prime Minister acted on it. And those people have gone and there's a completely new system in Downing Street to make sure this wouldn't, wouldn't happen again. So I think the Prime Minister has done what Sue Gray... Once he's apologised, and I think most people in the country uh, want him to get on with the job. I was stopped by a constituent today when I was walking into Wellingborough, and he said, "Look, I was a Labour man, but I switched to the Conservatives because of Boris. He got us through Brexit. He got us through COVID. For goodness' sake, leave him alone and let him get on with running the country." Mm. And I think that's what most of the people in the country think. Yeah, you could take a view that Brexit was bad for the country and you could take a view that his early handling of the pandemic was a complete disaster. So it depends who you talk to. But, Peter Bone, I appreciate you coming on Piers Morgan Uncensored. It's good to see you. Thank you. Uncensored next. He's a vibrant alternative national hero thanks to his outspoken and honest statements. He's also about as uncensored as a human being can get. Former Sex Pistols frontman John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, will be here live and very much unleashed after the break. Sex Pistols, one of the all-time great anarchic bands. You can listen to that all day. Fortunately, we've got one of the men behind it. Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, the great man, here. Here, live. Peace. Unleashed, great to see you. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing a regular catch-up with you called Johnny's Rotten World. Because the last time he came on, it popped so well on YouTube. Everyone was watching this. 
They love your unvarnished, uncensored view of life. Well, I like to tell it as it is. Yeah. You know, I'm not influenced by the media. Yeah. But they are very seriously influenced by me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't... You were rehearsing with your new band, Pill, today in London. Yeah, I'm straight out of rehearsal, so forgive me if I look a bit sweaty and moist. (laughs) The girlies apparently like it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you about politics for a moment? Because you said something quite interesting in the last few days. You talked about how it used to be the right that was seen to be the completely intolerant fascists who never allow people to have different opinions and so on. And now it's gone full circle. Oh, it's absolutely. To the left. Swings and roundabouts now, isn't it? I I can't trust anything coming out of Labour anymore. I I, I began to despise them. Really? Yeah, it's too... This woke agenda Mm. and all of this nonsense. I can't be tolerating that. You know, why have we, I, I'd, why have we I'd gone rather down vote this? conservative because at least I, I, I can rely on their hypocrisy, but mm. I don't want to vote for lunacy. Mm. It's plain and simple. When you see the debate over Boris Johnson and these parties, really at the core of it, it's just that they were all partying in Downing Street when they were telling everybody else, yeah. you can't go and see your dying relatives in yes, hospital. Yes, that white man speak with forked tongue, yeah. you know? Do you Boris. think he's a liar, Boris? Oh, completely. Mm. It's, you know, if you're going to write these laws in and insist on them and then deliberately go and break them yourself, well, that's, that kind of hypocrisy is, is just a little unfeasible for me. And so, this... sod him, you know. He's like all politicians, really, a professional liar, but, mm. by God, that bloke bone you had on mm. there defending him, wow, what a piece of work. <laughs> he reminded me of that old Tory kind of creature that I used mm. to really, really hate and loathe. So, mm. you know, get rid of both of them and things might be on the look-up. Yeah, but, but on top of that, I would like a Prime Minister that is capable of partying, but then don't be introducing laws that you're not going to follow yourself and expect the rest of us to oblige you right. to that. It's the hypocrisy is the problem. Right? Oh, it's wicked. Wicked. I wish I was at that party, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have livened it up. <laughs> What do you mean? We're in obviously Jubilee Week, and God Save the Queen was this iconic anthem at the time. It was all about anarchy and so on. You've you've softened a little bit over the years. Is that right? Say about the Queen in particular. No, no. This is the media again trying to uh, uh, take the detonation out of the uh, the H bomb I dropped on that song. Uh, I'm as uh, as uh, solid about monarchy and my my uh, dislike of it as I ever have been. To me, I've always viewed the royal family as a bunch of German and tourists with a Greek thrown in, mm. you know. Uh, but as a human being, right, she ain't no human being as representing a state. She doesn't represent me. I don't want to pay no more tax to keep that, that institution alive. But I totally respect her mm. as, as a real person, that she has endured that and maintained, yes, a sense of dignity in it. And I'm always attracted to pageantry. Mm. This is, you know, I grew up loving me Arsenal. And we, right. if we weren't waving our flags, that's as close to pageantry <laughs> as you can get. There's also something... Be... I just think when you look at the way politics has gone around the world, really, it's so, so much corruption, so much hypocrisy, so much... You know, really incredible characters yeah, getting to run they, countries. They, they, yeah, and, and you think, at least the, in the Queen's case, you've got this woman who's barely put her foot wrong She's dignified, she's yeah. humble. And so she's I respect all of that. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's almost, if you just view her as a sort of calming figurehead for the country, she's been one of the most impressive people that we've ever had, I would say. Yeah, but God bless, if she kicks the bucket, what's going to follow? Well, that is a genuine problem. I mean, tonight we had the Archbishop of Canterbury saying 
that, for example, we should now be looking to forgive people like Prince Andrew, that he's shown that he wants to make amends yeah. for what he did. But my, my issue with well, that... Well, first John... of all, find him guilty before you forgive. Right. right. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, I mean, I'm sorry, but that has the ring of child molester about it. You mean in, in terms of the way the, the church... The has... church, all of these institutions. And, of course, they all cover themselves up. But, as I say, first find him guilty of something. It's obviously he's hiding something. I don't trust him. I and mean, when, when you have the Queen's son who pays millions of dollars yeah. to a woman who was accusing him of having, in America, underage sex with her and being involved in sex trafficking with a paedophile... Yep. When he does that, having said, I'm going to fight this and clear my name, even though... He, he didn't. didn't. Even though there was no guilt attached to this settlement, the fact he's had to pay millions of dollars... What does it say? A settlement is telling you everything. Uh, it's almost like a bribe to go away, isn't it? Mm. Uh, now, the poor lady in question, I mean, uh, she knew what they'd like... Uh, they'd rip her apart in court, was basically, you know, mm. so take this cash under, under hand. Uh, it's victimisation again. And if, that, if that's going on in the future royal family, I don't want none of them. Can you forgive somebody in this circumstance if they don't accept what they did? I mean, we don't even know what he actually did, because he, yeah. he won't say. Can you offer forgiveness if people don't show any atonement for what they may have done? No, it, it, there's a holier-than-thou about it that uh, I just won't be tolerating. Mm. There's something there just... Bring it out, wash your dirty laundry in public and let us be the judge of that, right? right? Not yeah. under underhand deals going on. It, it, this is a continual world they're introducing us into, isn't it? Complete corruption. Well, I'd like to see a brave new world. I, I, I do think it's caused uncalculable damage to the royals because I think that we've never had a situation where the senior royal has been involved in a settlement like this. And it's not like it was a, you know, no, a sort of we, financial I, I issue. I think we have seen royals in the past histories are definitely involved in all manner of... I think in, mod <laughs> in modern times is what yeah. I would say. And, it, and it's a serious matter, you know. Jeffrey Epstein was a disgusting yeah, billionaire paedophile. running up. No, not at all. And my real issue with it is that, that Andrew carried on seeing that guy after he admitted and was convicted... Yeah of paedophile behaviour. Yeah, and there's all manner of money laundering possibilities lurking in the background Right, that too. Like, why did he carry on being his friend? You know, well, it... I, it's, this is my taxpayer money. It's right. how it's being spent. Right. You know, bugger off. Right. No, but I think, I think that's a legitimate reaction that most people have to it. What, what do you think about the Jubilee celebrations? Are you going to get involved? Are you going to be in a street party? Are we going to see the man who sang God Save the Queen singing it with love and affection? <sighs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I love the party side of it. Right? Yeah. And, 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 that and the pageantry and, and, and everything. the pageantry and the flag waving and, and being part of a, a wonderful bloody country. Mm. I've got no shame, but plenty of pride about Britain and I'll mm. wave the flag any way I like, safety pins included. Do we talk down the country too much, John? I think so. I do. Yeah. That, that lady's done no personal harm to me. Mm. The institution has, and, and it's obviously riddled with corruption. You know, I, I just pity what comes after her. Mm. It just... I've got no hope for it. I think we should uh, really uh, start voting on a, a new Queen. Really? Yeah, let's have an election. Who would you fancy, Meghan Markle? Oh, someone from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about something else.
Top Gun. So I got very excited yesterday about Top Gun. I went to see Top Gun. I loved the new movie. I loved the first one. And to me, it restored masculinity and being Hooray. a man. Yeah. Do, do you see anything in this? Well, I'll tell you, there's a shortage of modern war movies, right? And uh, you do need those kind of characters, really, if your country's going to survive any threats of invasion. Mm. You need proper blokes to sort it out. Uh, and trying to sweep that under the carpet with this new era of woke is unacceptable mm. to me. You know, I mean, men, men we, need, been... we need men's men. I'm sorry, but well, that's just the way it and, is. And this is idea that masculinity itself is wrong. Oh, toxic. Yeah, eh? It's all toxic. Yeah, I'll have a vodka and toxic masculinity, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it does annoy me. Because, of course, there are some men who are toxic. But there are also many men who can show masculine qualities, which actually not only are good qualities, but women like men to be masculine. Because that's human nature. Right. Right? And, and to go against nature really shows, like, a major flaw and a weakness in the idiocy that's coming from extreme left politics. I, I, I find it very, very alarming that young students are so quick to mm. jump on this, like, a name-slurry business mm. without really thinking the thing through. But also, I think the idea that students... But are... they're all dressed as men and women themselves. Yeah, and but... They're but, arguing but, against But this it. idea that, that a minister can go there who's only said yeah. that he believes a woman is an adult female and for that he has to be hounded with abuse it's, yeah. because you actually have Labour MPs now, women MPs, saying actually women can have penises. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course they can. That's how you get babies. <laughs> <laughs> but is it, it, I sort of feel the world's gone mad a bit. If you're working against nature because of some new political fandangled theory, then you're, you're a bit of a fool. Mm. And I'm afraid the young are very, very foolish in this, and I must say not all young, mm. just those who've gone through the uh, university systems. They seem to uh, not be educated anymore. They're really institutionalised. I want to play... We do a little segment called World's and Gone Nuts. most of them should be in an institution. <laughs> we, do, we do a regular thing called World's Gone Nuts. I think you're going to like this story, John, because this is actually something we normally do at the end of the show. I'm going to play it, play it now. Watch this. The World's Gone Nuts! Now, this is a, a love story that might not take off. It involves 22-year-old Sarah Roder, who lives in Dortmund, Germany, and she's announced that she's in love with a Boeing 737 passenger jet and has plans to wed said jet. The future Mrs 737 identifies as an objectum sexual, meaning she's attracted to inanimate objects and has 50 replicas of the flying love machine. Unsurprisingly, it's not legal to actually marry a replica aircraft in Germany, but neither the law nor common sense to stop other people from doing things like this. In 2007, Erica Labry married the Eiffel Tower, changing her last to Eiffel. And Kate Cunningham has been happily married to a tree for nearly three years. But true love never does run smoothly. Poor Akihiko Kondo, who married a hologram character, has been left, has been left devastated after the expiration of the software meant he could no longer talk to his wife. John, when you look at stuff like this, I, in a way, it's a kind of wonderful thing that there are people this mad out there, right? I think so, and I find that entertaining. But the, the shocking one, really, for me, was the girl fondling the 747 model. <laughs> I mean, that's one up on a battery-operated penis, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
and God bless her. If that if that's what turns her on, <laughs> rings her bell, you know. <laughs> Bong. <laughs> John, I can talk to you all night. Fortunately, we've only got to wait two weeks till you're back on. It's been brilliant to have you on Piers yeah. Morgan Uncensored. You are as uncensored as it gets. And thank God for somebody who just speaks their mind and doesn't care what all you cancel culture wokey say because you can't cancel a sex pistol, right? You certainly can't. And I'm on <laughs> tour with Public Image Limited to prove it. Y'all come on down now. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> Everyone a winner. John Lyden, brilliant bye to bye see you. Bye-bye from my man breasts. We will have John, Johnny's Rotten World every two weeks from now on because I cannot interview this guy enough. This is what we want in life. Plain talking, straight talking, it's uncensored. So it's so easy to just tell the truth. Isn't know? it? It is. And yet it's not easy for a lot of people. And I thank God people like you are doing it, and I'll do it too, and hopefully we'll put the world to right. Good to see you, John. Well, one last thing on Boris. Rules are for fools, and he's proved the point by breaking his own. I think that bye, probably bye. perfectly sums it up. <laughs> Uncensored next. The Queen's Platinum Jubilee is just around the corner. But in the cost of living crisis, should we be toning down the celebrations? Depending that in a few minutes. Certainly. So for everyone like me who loves the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, there are other people going, well, why are we wasting all this money on this? This sort of whiff of republicanism always sprouts up when we have this sort of thing going on. Uh, so we're going to debate this now as the bunting goes up and the final rehearsals have taken place. Uh, Buckingham Palace has told pageant organisers to avoid over-egging the Queen, but I don't understand why I want to, I want to over-egg the Queen. It's the whole point. We don't want to give these anti-royalists any more material uh, as it is, but others say, come on, cost of living, we should be careful. Joining me now is political commentator Marina Perkins and conservative writer Esther Cracker. Welcome to both of you. So, uh, Marina, tell me why we shouldn't be lavishing this money and attention on this fabulous lady to celebrate the greatest reign in the history of our country's monarchy. Piers, we've literally got government ministers doing the rounds, telling people they need to tighten their belts, there's not enough money for this, that and the other, people are choosing between heating and eating, and you're telling me it is right and not at all tone deaf to spend a fortune, local governments, by the way, who are completely cash-strapped, you think it's right for them to spend money on these frivolities? I actually do, because I think that this is a chance to celebrate not only an historic moment for the country, but to remind the world what we do best. Pomp, pageantry, <laughs> monarchy... Elitism, These are great things for our elitism, country. Classism, inequality, people bored into insane privilege and wealth. Why do we care this so is, much? And also, 40% 40, 40 of people don't even support the Queen. Well, no, I'm sorry, but this is bigger than that. This is about the country's morale. Are we going to add to that by saying, actually, we can't celebrate the Queen? There's so many, there's so many government departments and councils that spend money ridiculously. Mm. I can think of so many ways that our money goes down a black hole of poor spending, <laughs> right? And I have no problem with this being actually a good thing and are spending money on it because it's much bigger than that. This queen has given us 70 years of her life. I'm, this could oh, very well... Exactly. This could very well be her last jubilee. the toughest job out there. Who would say no to that? Would you, be, would you want to be working job. at 96? Would you be touring the country and working at 96? Or would that you be happy to retire? 100%. Oh, absolutely really? not. 100%. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I'm sorry. Ask every other person who's doing a normal job, like working in a factory, working in a shop, putting in the hours... They can't they wait to retire. If they they cannot wait to retire. If they wouldn't swap positions with the Queen. You, she has had an incredibly privileged life. Where will you be? Fun. OK, at the weekend, where are you going to be? 
Um, I am doing nothing to celebrate the, the really? Queen's Jubilee. You won't be in the pub enjoying the days off I'm, we're getting I'm, on? I'm mit bebe, oh. so uh, no. <laughs> OK, then you won't. Um, <laughs> no. Well, you might be having I an orange juice. I can, I'm going to enjoy my days off. I'm not going to go to the office still. But um, I'm not celebrating Do you think she gets this. many days off at 96? I think she does barely nothing. I'm sorry. No, what? That is, no. Well, she goes whoa, 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 whoa. She the Queen does barely years. nothing. She's a 96-year-old woman Tell me who does a huge does. number of engagements every year, even at 96. Engagements that do what? Have you, had, have you heard of the Commonwealth? Meeting the British people oh, my up and down the ranks of the social ladder, uh -huh. from the poorest to the wealthiest. And that does what That's for been everyone? her job for 70 what years. For them? Actually, what she does, I'll tell you what she does. In times of trouble, this woman has given us a sense of calm, She's given us a sense of morale boosting. We saw it with the amazing documentary of a night on BBC. She's done this her entire life, having inherited a crown at 25, 26 years old, yeah. and she's still going now, and she's just a calming presence in our country, which reminds the world of the very best on what it means to be British, I think. Esther? I, I completely agree. And I, I'm so shocked that you said she does nothing. Have you ever heard of the Commonwealth? I didn't say that she does nothing. What is the Commonwealth? What is the Commonwealth? Well, apparently they go around just defending the com Commonwealth Actually, the no, I come from a Commonwealth country, and that this woman has dedicated her life to this fantastic institution that has brought on so, so many good values to different people in different parts of the world that you probably wouldn't even imagine because you're here saying, oh, she does nothing. You're sitting in your comfortable comfortable lifestyle saying she does absolutely nothing. And I bet you when you're even 80, you wouldn't... Well, I would say, I would say, look, I would say, here's the point. I would say when you've got a prime minister who's lying through his back teeth, <laughs> passing, <laughs> breaking his own laws when he's ordering the rest of us to go into lockdown, when you actually have alongside that a woman who's been on the throne for 70 years and has never behaved like that, who's always behaved with dignity, decorum, respect, Piers, humility. We're, we're talking about against a backdrop of Boris Johnson. Anyone looks half decent. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, and also, she, by the way, the Queen could do something really nice here. She could, like, subtly nod to the fact that we've got a Prime Minister running roughshod over our democracy and our politics. But she doesn't. She only steps in when it benefits her, like when she lobbied the government to change transparency law so the public couldn't see her wealth. I'm sorry, I don't respect that. No, that's I'm awful. Sorry. That would that would be overstepping why, the mark. No, I'm sorry. Because because the queen the is meant to be neutral. The queen, but she's lobbied. She's lobbied three times. Revealed by the Guardian. Because it wouldn't have been. Times. It wouldn't have been appropriate. You can't believe what you read in the Guardian, for God's sake. It wouldn't have been appropriate. But she's. This not may be the problem, Marina. I think you're reading politics. too many things in the Guardian. Oh, I know. Follow talk talk. <laughs> TV, well, look, gotta leave it there. It's a very good debate. Thank you, both of you. I like the passion for this debate. A lot of people will agree with both of you. So thank you. He's inspired generations with these emotive lyrics. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie, drove my Chevy Don McLean once described this song as a photograph of America. Well, this song's having its own golden jubilee, and Don McLean joins me live tomorrow night to reflect on its everlasting legacy and share why he has said bye-bye to the NRA. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to tonight, make sure you keep it uncensored. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.